Here we go, episode 22 of Automatic. Richmond Weaver alongside the queen of college basketball, Steffi Sorensen, and looking at the latest in the men's and women's college basketball landscape. But Steffi, first and foremost, I've got to ask you, what's more stressful, prepping for some of your games that you've been calling and all the studio work or trying to get your house ready to be on the market to sell. Trying to get my house ready? Oh my God. You know, listen, pressure washing is fun, but it's not fun in February or what are we in? January um, on an off day. Uh, So yeah, for those listening, I'm currently in the process of selling my house moving. Great timings uh, on schedule for a March move in. The busiest time of the year. Gonna make it work. What are you thinking? (laughs) I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Uh, I don't have too much stuff, but then you start packing, you realize I got too much shit. Gotta throw it away. Uh, So, uh, but basketball, hey man, basketball season has been really fun. Last night I had the Arkansas Vanderbilt game. And let me tell you why there hasn't been a lot of entertaining SEC women's games so far, but that game, Rich, I don't know if you saw the ending. Yeah. I saw just the highlight. Yes. hits the three to tie four seconds left. Arkansas <laughs> comes down, drills the three, both bank shots. I'm, I was like yeah. at a loss. I'm trying not to scream, uh, you know, while I'm doing the game, you know, you got to lay out and let your play by play. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, you can't help it. <laughs> Yeah, how hard is that for you? Because we both call games as color analysts. So I'm curious from your perspective, because you do get caught up in the emotions and you do have to, like you say, lay out not only for the play-by-play, but also just allow the atmosphere to be felt through the screen with the the audio that the crowd is going through, the players and all of that. So how hard is that for you to channel that energy sometimes in a different way? Oh man, it's, it, it is, it's definitely challenging. I don't know if you remember when Arike, I, I struggle with her last name. Agumbiale. Yeah, from Notre Dame, when she hit that buzzer beater, I think it was in the final four or the national championship. You know, it was the national, national championship. championship. Yes. And yeah, Adam sure Amin was. had the call and there was a snoop cam, which is a camera that is just on the announcers. And I believe it was Doris Burke and Kara Lawson or it was Rebecca Lobo and Kara Lawson, e- either one of those. And they just immediately have to cover their mouth because it's so hard. It's his moment, the play-by-play's moment, and, and they got to set it up. And you can't have other people reacting because it just doesn't sound as good. And so, if you're watching, and that happens for for me last night, like I normally am good about just like not saying anything, but back to back threes with five seconds, <laughs> I just exactly. I couldn't help but just kind of yell with Brenda, who I was calling the game with. So it definitely you have to be measured. Uh, but it, I mean, you know this. It's there's live reactions, and you don't something you don't see all the time. You just you can't believe it. But a lot of time, people just have to almost gasp and hold it, hold it in. Yes, uh, I know, and it's very difficult to do because also remember, I mean, you're a competitor. You've played the game. You've you know what those emotions are like as those players. So it's it's almost you know magnified because you have been in some of those type of situations, uh, and then now you know on the the other side of it, calling it, you still get those juices going, those energy juices. And so it, it is a challenge. And, and that's what makes some of the, the best color analysts is that they are able to, to continue to provide, you know, some of the, the whys and the hows, but understand 
when and when they shouldn't do that and, uh, and, and show some, some of that and show some of that emotion. Well, Rich, I, I know one thing that's going to get your juices flowing is, is we talk about your Clemson Tigers. Let's how, go. How Let's go. excited are you <laughs> in the way that they have performed, especially in conference play? the way that they handled their business. Now they're ranked in the top 25. Yes, number 19. What's been the secret sauce? It's because they started listening to Automatic, our <laughs> podcast. That's why, yeah. right? It's easy equation. You listen to Automatic, you're going to have success. In all reality, I do believe it's a combination of things that Clemson is not the most talented team in the ACC, just from a roster perspective. We know that. We know there's teams that have better all-around players. But, Steffi, as you know, sometimes it's not just about the number of stars that you have. It's about can a team come together in the camaraderie and the chemistry and when you start having confidence and you have some games that maybe you shouldn't win, but you do win, and you just build upon that confidence. And I think that's what's happening right now with Clemson is that they're just starting to believe in themselves. And maybe also, in all reality, the ACC is down this year, you know, just from it's not top heavy like we've seen in the past. So maybe that has something to do with it. But still give Clemson and Brad Brownell credit. They can't, you know, control that. They can only go out there and control to play their game and win, just like every other team is in the same scenario. But even in this transfer portal era, it seems like Clemson right now has a core group of guys that's been around for several years together, led by Hunter Tyson, who's the old man yeah. there for Clemson, yeah. right? And he's the guy that Brad Brunell's talked about. He comes in, has his coffee eats his oatmeal before he goes and works out and you know and he's just that wise older player there and is almost like a uh, another coach so to speak and the guys have responded really well I mean and and I believe Hunter Tyson just now he didn't have a great game against Duke but coming into that game he has to be in consideration for ACC player of the year I'm not saying he'll win it but he has to with the number of double doubles that he's had and just how he's been able to lead Clemson to a top of the ACC standings right now, sitting at 7-0 as we're recording this uh, on Tuesday, January 17th, and Clemson has a big game on the road against Wake Forest. And that's going to be a tough matchup because anytime on the road in the ACC, and just think from this perspective, Clemson's most ACC road wins is five in one season. They've already got three this season. You know, so it, it's it's been... The ability to win on the road, Steffi, that has really propelled them to where they are right now. The question is, how will they be able to sustain this? And I think there's a lot of Clemson fans that are on that edge of their seat of waiting. Okay, when when is the fall going to happen? We've seen this, you know, Clemson have some success, and then they'll come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, so when is that going to happen? But if Clemson can go to Wake Forest and get a victory, that's significant to be sitting there at 8-0, and they would be well in place to finish strong in the ACC. So what Brad Brunell has been able to do right now is significant because there was a lot of pressure coming into this season for him that if he didn't perform well, he was probably going to be out. And just knowing that he's been there for a long time and 
there is that aspect. We talked about it with like Coach Cal. Sometimes change of scenery is good for people, you know, and the school. And I think there was a, a lot of people that were thinking the same thing with Brad. But right now, I mean, <laughs> he's on a he's on a hot streak. So yeah, let it keep rolling. Let's go Tigers. Well, I think the ACC is wide open. I mean, Virginia obviously is the favorite with the way that they've been playing. Miami's in the hunt, but now is now is the time for Clemson to, to make a push. Agreed. Now is the time. Yes. Um, Take advantage of the ACC having this parity, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, usually we're always talking about Duke and North Carolina, and you know, we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about Clemson. No, and I think right. uh, now is the time, and it, and it's been really fun. You know, obviously Amanda Butler is at Clemson, and so anything good surrounding that school, I'm always cheering for for my former coach. So I need to get you some orange then. Not the Florida Gator orange that you're I've used to wearing. Some more, I've got some Clemson <laughs> orange. They took care of me. It's, but it's the purple shirt for me that I like to wear. The purple. Yes, there we go. I'm down with that. The, I love it. The flip side to this is, you know, Clemson starting to win games and, and the fan base saying, all right, now, when are we going to lose? So let's switch gears to yeah. Kentucky, which is, cool. <laughs> you know, expect to be in the national championship every year. That's right. Right. And then they've had a tumultuous up and down kind of season. Everyone's talking about Coach Cow uh, leaving or what is his issue. There was actually a fan at their game against Tennessee that said, Coach Cow, take the Texas job. And he was escorted out, by the way. <laughs> they beat Tennessee. And, I, and this is this is what Kentucky fans are like. What are – I, I – I saw that score, you know, that was a crazy day of SEC upsets, um, you know. Crazy day in, in college in hoops, basketball on hoops. the men's side. I, you know, I, I know Jay Billis came out and said, and we can you know, usually take Jay for, you know, for his takes because he's so embedded in, in college basketball. But saying that Coach Cow has no reason to leave, you know, he signed that like lifetime contract to be at Kentucky and then they go out and then they beat Tennessee. And you're like, okay, well, what is this Kentucky team really made of? And I know they were actually missing some some players, but definitely a different looking Kentucky team. I mean, what did you what did you think? Well, this is what's so crazy is that we were just questioning what in the hell is going on with Kentucky last episode last week, and obviously, in even in the whole bluegrass state there with Louisville struggling also. And again, we even said, you know. From the men's and women's side, it doesn't seem to be the same basketball in the bluegrass state. But this is so typical of Kentucky that once you start counting them out, and especially, you know, you start looking at them in a different light and questioning Coach Cal, uh, it's almost like he was just waiting for that. The rat poison, as Nick Saban would say, that, you know, he was waiting for that opportunity. And we know Kentucky is so talented, and we know what Coach Cal is from a coaching perspective, so it was just a matter of time. Now, he's still got a lot to go. That's just one game against Tennessee, and what do we say about Tennessee? Oh, they can play some defense. It's non-negotiable with Rick Barnes, but they struggle offensively. Yes, they can't score, and that's what happened in this Kentucky game. Kentucky came out with much better defensive pressure, especially what we saw Kentucky against South Carolina. It looked like a different team from that perspective. But that's that's Kentucky. I do believe Kentucky is going to get back on track. I'm not going to say they're going to win the national championship or anything, yeah. but their fans, they will be in the their NCAA fans might tournament. say that. 
Oh, yes, of course. They get this win. They go, see, see, this is why we're Final Four team. And that's what is their their fan base cracks me up. But, you know, it's not like they're short on talent. It's just. No, they're not. Perfect storm. This is college basketball, though, Steffi. This is why we love it, is that you can have these ups and downs. And as you talked about, just somewhat of chaos this past weekend on the men's side, 11 ranked teams lost. And that ties the record for most ranked teams losing in a single weekend uh, since the AP uh, poll had started. And it's going back to 2011 was the last time that 11 uh, teams lost on a particular weekend. 11 ranked teams, I should say, lost on a particular weekend. And that's just the norm for college basketball. And again, especially, I think there's just so much parity. I don't think there's one dominant team. I think there's a cluster yeah. of teams that we're seeing that you know are above everybody else but not one or two dominant teams. Anybody can get beat right now on the men's side for sure. What is your take so you know Houston obviously uh has had a tremendous season 17 and 1, Kansas 16 and 1, Purdue 16 and 1, Alabama 15 and 2. Of those, you know, I I I'm obviously more closely aligned or not aligned but you know, I'm more embedded in the in the SEC. And for me, Nate Oates and Alabama, you know, they just continue to handle their business. And, you know, after watching Arkansas kind of, kind of plummet and, and the talent that they've had and Nick Smith, is he going to come back? All that. Yeah. That's a big question. What now given the news over the weekend about Darius Miles um, being charged with capital murder, really serious, serious, allegations made against a player on this team who's no longer with the program. How does the team now compartmentalize, hey, we are top five team. We are a national title contender. We just got really devastating news. Yeah. You know, and he's completely swiped, uh, wiped off from the school, right. from the program, all that. That's that's some pretty, like, you, you reflect on that. I mean, that's your teammate, and that is someone you shared locker rooms with, and moments with life with and the, the allegations made are, are obviously incredibly serious we and justice will be decided that's right but my biggest question now moving forward given we're talking about the parity and some of the upsets all across men's college basketball is is what does Alabama look like after this it's a huge question and I know bigger questions in this story are based on what happened and obviously what will happen moving forward. And it's obviously a tragic situation that somebody lost their life, especially in that way. And then now how that's going to impact the two people that were arrested, obviously, including uh, Darius Miles there. And just thinking about it, Steffi, from the perspective, he was on the bench during the game Saturday. And then Later, you're hearing that he's, I mean, obviously it was on, you know, early Sunday morning that the news is breaking that uh, late Saturday night or into the early hours of Sunday that he was arrested. And so if you're a teammate, you can't tell me that doesn't have some type of impact. And again, more information is going to come out about this story. So not going to speculate on all of the details or anything of that nature, but this team has to move forward, and how will they compartmentalize it? I think that's a great question, and this might be now one of Nate Oates's biggest challenges this season to be able to get his team to somewhat regroup and refocus based on 
how this is playing out. So it's it's definitely going to be a challenge. I, I don't think there's any way that you can have something this big not impact you to a certain degree. What that is, I, I don't know. And so it's going to be up to veteran guys on the team. It's going to be up to the coaching staff, the athletic department, uh, to be able to help these players and staff members, everybody involved to somewhat turn the page as best you can, knowing that, I mean, there's still games to be played. And I, I know that's not always the, in this type of situation, the games uh, obviously become less important in life, but they still are going to be played. And so how do you respond? That's a big question. Yeah. Uh, Nate Oates is pretty limited in what he could say, obviously, because there's an ongoing investigation, but he he did say that Miles was away from the team last month as he dealt with a personal challenge and then an ankle injury that continued to nag him and eventually led to the decision to end his season. And that was just hours before this shooting. So you're right. And these are young people. I mean, these are young people now that we have a, a young man that has to deal with the consequences of what happened. And then the teammates, you know, putting that them in this situation of, all eyes are on them because they're a top five team and we know what just was announced. So it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. You know, I really feel for the Alabama guys, obviously um, for the victim in this, it's, yeah. it's, tra- it, it was definitely tragic. It was shocking to hear. Um, but I think that that was the biggest story. Um, obviously uh, over the weekend, just the connection to a, a top five team and a player being charged with capital murder. Uh, for sure. And again, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, January 17th, and they've got a game against Vanderbilt uh, and, you know, on the road. And so we'll, we'll get a better idea just how they will respond, uh, you know, from that standpoint and be able to, again, somewhat move forward. Now, some other news on the men's side. I don't know if you saw this, but Detroit Mercy's uh, Antoine Davis broke the NCAA Division I career three-point record that was held by Fletcher McGee. So he's hit the most three-pointers in all of college basketball. Uh, he did that in an 87-75 to 75 win over Robert Morris, and that was on uh, Saturday. And so he hit his 510th three-pointer of the career, of his yeah. career. Yes, 510. Jesus. <laughs> right. And he had 11 three-pointers in this game. 41 points, and it helped uh, Detroit Mercy snap a four uh, a four game losing streak. So after the game, he now stands at 513 career three pointers, and he's also on the chase to break Pete Maravich's scoring record, which is 3,667. He's got 3,232 right now. Ooh. So. Yeah, I mean, people are looking at it and saying, okay, he might have a chance. Now, the caveat to it here is that he's a fifth-year player, so he's played a lot longer than Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich played three years, Steffi, and did not have the three-point shot. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, But that's a big milestone for... Uh, Antoine Davis being able to set the career three-point record. And against a guy locally here in the area where I live in Greenville, he played Fletcher McGee, who's the record that he broke. 
He played at Wofford in Spartanburg. And actually, I just had the opportunity to spend some time with Fletcher. And we were talking about him breaking not only the Southern Conference record, which was set by Steph Curry, but then also ultimately breaking the NCAA record himself. And now how appropriate that these records, they're meant to be broken. I mean, some I don't think will ever be broken, but now with the three-point, you know, how basketball is so geared towards the three-point shot. I wouldn't be surprised if Antoine's record gets broken at some point. Yeah, I mean, that, but that's so, God, that is so many points. And yes. with uh, the additional year, I mean, some players are now in college for five or six years. So I think, yeah. you know, you get, you get a true score like that, that's, you're, you're looking at 4,000 points. Uh, if, that's if a Caitlin, lot. If Caitlin Clark there we go. five years, she'd be there. No, she would be there um, easily. Yes, easily. Uh, but I, I want, I wanted to just mention uh, on the women's side. You know, speaking of like milestone accomplishments, Simone Augustus getting her statue unveiled this weekend in Baton Rouge was really cool. I actually was at LSU team camp many years ago in high school, and Sylvia Fowles was there swatting my shot. Simone Augustus. <laughs> Uh, Erica White, who was my AAU teammate, she signed with LSU. That was one of the reasons why I was out there. Uh, But the amount of support for Simone, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the coverage or the footage or the pictures, but we're talking just thousands of people out there to see that statue. So now you got a statue of Asia Wilson on the South Carolina campus, Simone Augustus on the LSU campus coming off a Martin Luther King Day. Just made me kind of reflect on, wow. Wow, those are two African American women that have statues on their campus. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing progress to me. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree a thousand percent. And you love that. Not only is it you know it, statues of African American women, but it's women and it's women's basketball. And you're starting to just see the exposure is increasing and it's building, and more people are in tune to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with just how some of these teams are. Again, I know this is just the SEC, but now you've got three teams sitting there, LSU, Tennessee, and South Carolina, all 6-0. and And it's the first season in league history that three teams have started SEC play at 6-0. and So when you start having those type of teams and how things are playing out, you can see why you're going to get more exposure. You're going to get more hype. You're going to get more excitement, you know, from that standpoint. And, and those Tennessee volunteers now have won seven in a row. Here they come, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they, they had, they played in some summit blue jerseys on Sunday and those were fire. Um, <laughs> I, I'm see I'm going to see LSU in person on Monday. They'll take on Alabama. And I, you know, I don't know when the last time and as the SEC has had two top three teams, uh, South Carolina being one, LSU three. Tennessee is interesting because they've played Ohio State. They've played Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've played the hardest schedule. They still have got UConn, South Carolina, and LSU, by the way. Wow. <laughs> They're not even in the top 25. So they just need like a one signature win. I, I just think they're a team that you don't want to mess with. They're, they've got – they're really good. They're just – they took a beating in the non-conference, and people are kind of like, hmm. You know, what, what is, what are they made of? And I think we're going to find out because in their next five games, you know, college game days come in there to Knoxville for that UConn game. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think no one really anticipated how good LSU is, uh, not even losing a game. I think, you know, the, the non-conference, we talked about that in the previous podcast. They didn't play a Power 5 until December 18th. Yeah. Unheard of. But they've won. And I'm excited to see what they look like in person because Angel Reese, who has transferred in from Maryland, she is putting up some huge addition, insane numbers. Yes. Against good, good competition. So, uh, Mulkey's always entertaining. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Are you, are you getting your rest ready to go and (laughs) get some calluses built up ready for (laughs) Mulkey? (laughs) Well, I, you know, winning is, is great. You know, it's it's uh, the harder thing is walking into a gym when the team's lost four or five in a row. And, you know, how do you approach a coach? How do you how do you get into those conversations and anticipating someone's mood? And you don't ever want to rub anyone wrong, but you're also there for a job. And I will say this, having done the Vanderbilt game, Shay Ralph from UConn, you know, she is the second year head coach at Vanderbilt, but she spent forever at UConn. She is one of the best coaches to talk to because they have been dealt the were I think one of the worst hands in college basketball where they lost three starters before the season ever tipped. She had to dismiss a player a couple of weeks ago. They lose another starter to transfer to Maryland. And she's got like seven or eight players basically to, to deal with. And they almost went on the road at Arkansas. But she never she's she she never is in a bad mood. She just keeps it real. She just keeps it real. And I really, I think you give her a healthy team. I think Vanderbilt in three or four years, legit, legit. She hasn't had an actual roster in two years. And, you know, you're talking about someone that was mentored and taught under Gino. Oh, no. Yeah. She's got the pedigree. She knows what the, you know what she's doing. (laughs) So I'm excited to see that. It was, it was a heartbreaker for them. I mean, you saw, you saw just the last few seconds. Exactly. you know, they played their heart out and uh, it's it's interesting on both ends, uh, men's and women's. It's been interesting so far. It has. And you can you can see the difference non-conference games versus conference games. I'm telling you, you can see the difference and uh, you can't rest any particular night because I'm telling you, the bottom teams, they can still jump up and beat one of the top teams in the conference standings. And that's why I think all these teams have to be you know, careful of that. And you can see, I mean, you have one disruption in terms of a key player here or there, like Arkansas with their injuries. I mean, Arkansas's slipping. You can also see same thing with uh, uh, Arizona and also UConn. I mean, on the men's side, they're, you know, they're stumbling a little bit right now. And how will these teams, you know, come, how will they respond? And we saw Kentucky at least responded after uh, one game against Tennessee and, you know, how will North Carolina in the ACC and even Duke now that they're out of the top 25, you know, so you've got all this movement going on in uh, both the men's and women's side. But I do believe on the women's side, though, that South Carolina, I, I'm telling you, uh, Aaliyah Boston just named SEC Player of the Week, <laughs> you know. You think they'll might. lose the game? I don't think they will. I don't. I, I really I don't. Honestly, I really get this, the vibe from from Don that they don't. She she doesn't want them to lose again this year. You know, I think I think last year she she embraced a loss that might keep them honest or might keep them keep them with an edge. This year, I don't think she sees it that way. I think she's like, you know, 
the expectation is to go undefeated and go all the way and win yeah. the title. And then you got to give Aliyah Boston a statue. So there you go. That's right. <laughs> She's yeah, got you two think, titles. You think Dawn is wanting to chase the per- perfect season like Gino had? That's, I think, you know, any kind of question about from reporters or any kind of news media that has asked her about, you know, close games being good for, she don't want close games. She wants to go undefeated. Why would you not look at the team? Like the way that they play, the way that the, the depth, the experience, uh, the, that recruiting class that she brought in, Zaya Cook, Leah Boston, Bree Beal, Letitia Meir, that, that core group of players has only lost eight games in their career. Why would you want, you know, they can handle it. They can handle close games. We don't. They can. Need, we don't need a surprise to keep us motivated. They're motivated. Yeah, yeah they um, are. I'm in. I'm I in studio on, on Thursdays and Sundays, and I get asked, you know, is the close game good for? I'm like, maybe someone is close for the first quarter, but you got to play four <laughs> quarters against this team. You know, maybe they play good for a half, but I, I just think that I. I really think that they're they're chasing a perfect season as yeah. they should. As they, they should. Reigning I agree. Champions. Yeah. And if they do lose, I think it would be like in the final four or in the national championship game. I, I just don't see that they're going to lose before that. Cause I, I agree with you. I think Dawn's got them dialed in. And I think like Aaliyah Boston is dialed in, finish this season, plant her legacy even more or cement her legacy even more uh, there in Columbia. And you know, I've got a daughter who's a freshman there and she's going to the games. She's all excited about it. Yeah. So I mean, How can you, not? And you know, Colonial Life Arena—they sell it out on the women's yeah. side every time. I mean, it's yeah. crazy uh, how much excitement that they've got going on down there in Columbia. But we know there's still a lot of college basketball left to be played as we're still sitting in the middle of January. And as always, thanks for listening and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. This is Automatic.